Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much In this 60-minute masterclass, y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass Or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the AJ podcast. It is Ashley, Danny, and Mishi today. And we're going to be having a fun conversation. Um, It was a It wasn't really like a request. It was just um, a client who was like, you should do a podcast episode about that. Um, So we're talking about exercise versus sports and the nuances and where it might be fine and where it might not be fine. 
I don't know if you guys would <laughs> that way. But this yeah. comes up because it's a good, it's a like um what we've just been we've just been talking about this more as we have all been more active um physically and experimenting with like performance-based goals and things like that and seeing just seeing a difference in exercise versus sport. So yeah. Ashley, do you want to introduce your take on what this topic is? I feel like we should all introduce our take on the topic itself. Yes. My mind immediately splits to if you're a current athlete in, and I'm thinking like a professional sport, like you are getting paid either through school, right? Whether, whether you're getting paid through school or like you are getting paid to do this where your livelihood, like your education and your livelihood is on the balance. I think that is one specific situation where like sport is a means of getting by. Right. And I want to make this clear because a lot of people will be like, what do you mean that just because I'm not getting paid, like I'm not an athlete, like, yes, everyone's an athlete. Yes. You can all enjoy sports. Like, but like, but like, I just wanted to separate that too, because that's a completely different situation, you know, and it doesn't change the facts, but maybe your decision to recover or when to recover may be impacted anyway. So there's that. So, so sports as not getting paid is something that has like a high level of enjoyment and it leans more heavily on the enjoyment than the controlling body composition I feel like when it comes to like working out and while yes everyone's gonna be like but what if I love both yes I hear you but I do think that there's this line of like for example like I've been inspired by Danny to start playing pickleball. And when I go and play pickleball, I am not thinking about how I can shrink my body, tone my body, maximize my glutes. You know what I mean? Like that's just like not involved at all. Cause it's really like, can I crush this person? And can I do it successfully? You know what I mean? Like, can I, you know, and I'm actually pumped to go play for like three hours, right? Because, because time flies where I think like working out is so connected to what is like, what does this specifically do to your body composition? What are the returns for that? Right. And then I think it can get a little tricky because there can be a lot of love and passion for a sport, but if it, becomes like bulldozed by this is a means to controlling my body that I don't think it's as sporty as we want it to be. I think it's literally working out for a transactional outcome. I know that was kind of messing all over the place, but I do think that this line can get very blurry. So there's that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I feel like that was really good. Actually, not all over the place. <laughs> Okay. And I want to hear Misha's take too. You just made me think of something as you were speaking actually too, which is like, we're also not saying that competitive running isn't a sport. Right. That's exactly where my mind went. I'm so glad you're saying this. But 
oh, there you you are in a totally different headspace and experience running a distance than you are trying to destroy someone on the pickleball court, on the volleyball court. You know, your head is not like there is just absolutely no way that you are consumed by every step you take, every tree you pass in the same way that you are consumed by winning the next point in a game or something like that, you know, or like learning the technique so that you can improve the way, the way that you swing, kick, hit, like whatever it is, there just is a difference. And it's hard to describe, but I like to think that everyone knows what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's have me like Mishi's and then, and then mm-hmm. I want to hear yours because then I'm like, my mind instantly goes to, yeah, I would think that same of volleyball, but maybe this is connected to like how much clothing you're wearing, <laughs> you know, like gymnasts, dancing, tennis, like no one's out there half naked playing pickleball yet. I'm sure they're coming. Yes. I'm sure yeah, they're also out there. I've played, I've played in like 107. So I'm just saying I actually have done that, <laughs> but it's uh, very, yeah. it's more just all when you are stupid enough to play at 4 p.m. when it's 107 degrees. <laughs> have you thought? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hmm. My, the way that I perceive it, Ashley, I like what you said about the whole athlete thing. Uh, like I totally resonate with that. And I agree with that. Like it's, it is a means to an end. I really liked how you said that because as a gymnast and as a college gymnast, like mm-hmm. you have to completely disassociate from your body. Like you are training two times a day five times a week. You are also traveling all the time. You're going to meet more frequently at full capacity versus like whenever you train um, outside of college, like you really only go to like six meets a year versus college. You're going to like 20. So you're like competing every single weekend. And so like, it is a complete means to an end. Like you, like the best way for me to describe it is like, total disassociation from your body. You're just like, I just have to do this. I have to push myself, all the things. So I feel like athlete is separate from like, obviously from exercise and from sport as well. And I feel like exercise and and sport for me and my perspective, it should, it's kind of very similar because like you're doing it for the love and for the joy of it. So you're moving to enjoy the sport you're moving to experience your body you're moving to respect and love yourself and like if you're truly doing a sport for the love of it that's why you would be doing it in the same way with like exercise and movement like it's all out of joy but I feel like that is not the experience for a good majority of the people who are out there I feel like it's very much so exercise is a means to change who you are to um in like because you hate yourself in spite of yourself and it's it is not because you respect and love yourself so I think that's where it's a mindset shift of just like where are you at with 
your relationship with your body. And that's how you perceive exercise. So I feel like I, I just, I don't, I think I have like a different perspective because of where I'm at with my current relationship with my own body. I don't know if that was a very clear explanation. It was, I don't feel like it's a different perspective though. I feel like it's in line. I feel like it seems in line to me. Um, and you made me think of like the, po- the point though, where it switches to being unhealthy, even though you're so involved, I think one of them is kind of the day that we say, I work out really hard, but now I want to look like I work out really hard. And then, cause that's like the experience that Ashley and I at least have coming from nutrition coaching, like how many times would someone's intake form for weight loss, essentially coaching would just be like, I do a lot of CrossFit, but I, I want to look like I do it. Um, and so it's funny because it's actually really hard to look the way that you want to look and maintain that performance. Like, I think that, um, a lot of the highest level athletes cause us to have a skewed perspective of what we're supposed to look like as an average, like, um, you know, a non-professional athlete. And so they start play, continuing their sport, which event, which originally was for the love of it, but start trying to balance like weight loss and muscle gain and body recomposition and things like that while playing their sport. Um, and then things start to move backwards. And I really feel like that's a piece of why you know, there will be days where, yeah, like I'm playing for a couple hours in 107 heat and I do have lost my appetite as a result. And like, you know, it's just not an exemplar, exemplar, Mary, exemplar treat, exemplar. <laughs> no, <laughs> that word. It's not that word. Um, <laughs> way of like eating and fueling for performance yet still ovulate on cycle day 14 or 15, you know? Yeah. So like, and, and, and that's what really has sparked the interest in this topic and why I've been curious to go down the performance route of what we do. Like, so we do a lot of fertility coaching, um, reestablishing like your relationship with food and exercise, but there's like a little piece of me that is getting really interested in the performance side of things as I start to see and experience, even for myself firsthand, how when your priority truly is your sport and not trying to manipulate your body to look like it plays a sport, you are able to have way more longevity and performance in that sport and not start to move backwards and not actually lose your period. And I think that's really interesting. Um, And so I feel like one of the issues is that the day you say, I'm going to keep playing my sport and diet it at the same time. So I can look like I play this particular sport is where you really get into some trouble. Yeah. I resonate with that so much. Just being in, in, in college, like my first year, I, I struggled a lot because the coach was very, um, fat phobic and, um, she wanted her team to look a certain way. Um, and everybody to look that certain way. And for me to achieve that look, I, my skill level, well, not my skill level, but my 
performance declined, my recovery declined. I couldn't keep up with that level of activity and also like trying to diet at the same time so that I could look smaller and fit in. And it was extremely rough. I like remember like, I don't, I like, I just like remember my body being like so stiff and so like, um, almost like, um, oh my gosh, like muscle twitches and like, just not being able to move. It was the, it was like the worst first year experience. And I actually, I dropped off the team after that. Cause I was like, literally my body cannot take this anymore. So I totally agree with that. This is so interesting too. Cause I remember that was my original reason for starting macros. It was like, I know I am like ridiculously strong, but I don't look like it. <laughs> that was word for word. I was like, something needs to change anyways. And then towards the end, right. When I started to like go searching for my cycle, <laughs> I was like, where is my period? Um, I had thought I hit this like upper limit of performance. And I was like, which oh, you had, Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I did considering that just with what you're doing, the upper limit yeah. of, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Yes, I did. But I thought I had reached my genetic ceiling mm. I was like oh this just must be like my like genetic ceiling like my newbie gains must have like worn off like I must like you know and then so so like I first noticed like this massive block and like I just couldn't progress and then started the diminished returns where like and then like totals started coming down lower and lower and lower and then I would always pause and be like, well, I guess like body weight to weight lifted ratio is still there. It's still strong. You know what I mean? All these things. And it's just so interesting that I was making excuses for poor performance or for hitting a ceiling or for hitting this like block. And there's no way it could have ever possibly have been my super jacked lean physique because that can't be the reason why I'm not progressing. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Everyone around me is either trying to achieve this on top of performance or, or all the elite athletes look like this. So it can't possibly be my low body fat. That can't be it. Man. It just kind of goes back to like, <laughs> it's not a look. It is not yeah. a look. Yeah. 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 I think that we have turned performance into a look as if that look is what takes you to the next level of performance. Of course, I'm sure sponsors. Yes. I'm sure like people throwing free stuff at you, but free stuff doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> True that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think like when it really comes to sports specifically, if you're winning, you're getting sponsors. If you're winning, like that's actually all that matters. Right. Um, and I understand that like what is interesting is that at that highest level, generally you do see a certain physique. You do not always, you know, and those people tend to stick out and, and achieve like a, a, not achieve, receive criticism or, you know, for which, and that sucks, but you really, most people cannot first of all, compare themselves to people at the highest level. Um, I'm sure 
there are many instances where those people also have said, I want to look like a competitive athlete and have, you know, but a lot of those people at the highest, highest, highest level, they are going to succeed despite any poor choices that they make. This is just the reality of Simone Biles. You know what I mean? (laughs) This is the reality of all of these really high level athletes is that they've been doing it since they were very, very young and their, you know, body composition and muscle mass and things have, are happening because they started pre-pubescent and these are not, not things that we can come in in our 20s and start trying to white knuckle ourselves into doing and those people never started their journey with that as the goal like it and you know it's like the and so I will also say this in careful words Um, I think that for me entering into like sports, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, really did come it, it, I think I know that it did come from a place of, I wonder if I do that, I could look like that. I was, I almost entered into it from the beginning, right. Where I had tried exercise at the gym, like working out at the gym and it wasn't working. But then when I saw like athletes, I was like, oh, maybe if I do that, I will look like that. And that seems more fun to me. It was almost like a funner way to achieve, um, you know, body composition goals or whatever. It just didn't end up being the case, but, you know, so I ended up going down like the macro tracking route. Cause I was like 19, you know, I just, it wasn't, um, I wasn't doing it right. But now on the other side of all of that, where I've like, started from the beginning and learned to move properly and truly started um, playing sport to play sport, you know, not doing CrossFit and saying that that's a sport that has nothing to do with how I look, not doing weightlifting and saying that that's a sport that has nothing to do with how I look because it's a weight class sport. So you're going to be looking at that. Um, This is the first time I'm really just doing sport for sport. And this is the first time I'm actually seeing my body just change regardless of itself, which I think is really interesting. I am leaving it alone, focusing on the sport and suddenly have delts and (laughs) biceps, which I have never had in my entire life. So I just think, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I just think that's curious. I think that's really interesting that the less I focus on that, the the more my body responds because that is happening and I am cycling every month. And I really am for the past like four months exercising more than I have in the past three years, you know, kind of since going through this process of like started, I have um, a trainer that I see to like correct my imbalances and things like that. And then maybe in that same day, I will also play pickleball, you know, something like that with my husband. And I'm like, whoa, like I'm even waking up sometimes feeling a little bit run down like I used to. I forgot about that. Right. But I'm not doing it back to back days. And then I'm still cycling absolutely just fine. And that is what makes me so curious about this is like, wow, is it because I'm not sending 
the message to my brain that we're doing all that activity and we're going to be in a famine at the same time? Like, is it because there's so much safety? There's no stomping on my hypothalamus about it. I'm coming home and eating. I'm taking days off and not feeling anxious about it. You know, I'm not going to, I can't play today. My kid's homesick or whatever. I don't care. Versus having like a mental and emotional breakdown about the fact that I can't get to training because what if I gain weight? You know what I mean? All those little things that are, that were connected back then to doing so much exercise are not connected now because it really is just for fun, for enjoyment. And when I'm tired, it actually feels more natural to rest instead of feeling more natural to push through. And these things make a difference. Well, I think, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's because there's so many things happening. I, whether we like to admit it, whether I like to admit it, our body restrop, like responds to stress in a negative way. And so when you're like, I'm going to work on my stress while CrossFitting six days a week, this is me talking to old Ashley. <laughs> yeah, like that doesn't work. <laughs> and I'm not saying that like you can't have movement every day because because some people are like, oh, so you guys don't believe believe in daily movement. There's more movement. There's a whole world of movement outside of the gym. And I love the gym. So there's that. Like, you know, like I I actually do love the gym, you know, but to that same point of yeah, the level. I think that you're so like the other thing that I do want to touch on while you know, like while we're here is that the goal isn't that you recover from HA and then your body never changes again. You're falling into the same trap. Your body's always going to change. Your body's going to change when you're 90. Your body's going to change when you're postpartum. Your body's going to change when you're pregnant. Your body's going to change maybe like a day before you start your period. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like your body's ebbing and flowing. And so the goal isn't that like you recover and then like nothing ever happens to your body again. I think it's really just to detach your worth from your body composition. And if it changes, it changes. Right. But like, we no longer have a specific worth that's attached to, well, if it changes this way, then it means this. And if it changes that way, then it means that, right. If it changes, then it changes. The whole point was to not control it. Right. Just like the whole point wasn't to control your body, to stay small, like control on both sides is kind of still the issue. A hundred percent. Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing and these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even we have created a checklist it's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, 
behaviors around food and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today? So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery. So to get the checklist, all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you. You can print it off. And you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's thehasociety.com forward slash blind spot and it will be waiting for you there. I couldn't agree with that statement more. Just allowing your body to just ebb and flow as it is. No control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or like if your body was actually a teammate to your brain you know what would it need to thrive you know because i think as well like ebbing and f- like letting your body ebb and flow is important but it also doesn't mean um not worrying at all about like what's going on and how it's feeling right it means checking in and listening to what it's saying and giving it what it needs. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're waking up like crusty eyed, like struggling, you know, I didn't know this for the longest time, but you should actually feel relatively stressed in the stress, sorry, relatively fresh in the morning when you wake up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't know that till like quite a while of stopping the whole drilling my body into the ground thing and now that I'm experiencing so then when I was in recovery for a long time that feeling fresh became the norm um I was like I feel like this day every day and I love that and I miss like that (laughs) or recently I have had a few days a week where I wake up feeling that way uh like the last couple weeks and I've had to I'm like oh forgot about this feeling you know, what is this feeling telling me? Okay. I'm not going to go do that. I'm not going to play today. I'm just going to chill out, go to bed early, um, you know, take the day off, eat some extra food because that's what it's telling me, you know, instead of not listening to it, that a part of that ebb and flow is listening to it and responding, which can be one of the challenges with like, oh, I have a program that I'm following, Right. When you are exercising, you often have a program that you're following that says this many days a week, this many sets and reps, this is what you do. When we can't do that, it feels really stressful. But when you're playing sports for enjoyment, it's just not about that. Do you know what I mean? It's about getting together with your friends and like, I feel like it or I don't, you know, so there's that difference between that and like actually being a high level competitor. But I think that's one of the other benefits of going more towards like, let's play spike ball, like let's play netball if you're on the other side of the hemisphere 
And that's like a, I think, you know, not having that set, I need to do this, this, and this to feel good and check my boxes. Another important differentiator and a, a big difference in how some people can stay, stay moving through recovery. You know, and I think we would probably will segue into this is like, when is it appropriate for someone to just do sports and recovery then um, or not? But I, I think that's one of the big differences that allows it to work for some people. I think it goes back for like the joy, like the joy that is released with movement is completely different than it's like the endorphin high that you get when you force yourself to work out and then you're like, but then I feel better. <laughs> yes. Everyone's going to feel better. That's why you felt better even deep in HA. Right. But that didn't mean that that doesn't mean that's joy. So I think the reason why for some people, why, like we see such a wide variation of why sports is okay for some people and they do recover is because kind of like what you said, if I can't do it today, I'm not having to rewire my brain or reroute my emotions to not lose my shiz in the car because I, because my day has been messed up and now I can no longer go play. Like that's not happening. That's not happening in a situation where movement is bringing you joy and you're like, okay, it's either next week or, you know, or like in a couple of days, like it's okay. Rather than having to talk yourself off a ledge and you're a 30 year old having a three-year-old meltdown. Right. And, and like, you even know it's unrealistic. You're like, I'm really having to walk myself through this. Like I am really having to walk myself off the ledge. Or if you're the person that's like, if I don't work out every single day, then I'm just mean to everybody. We have an emotional regulation issue going on. This isn't an exercise issue. Like this is a potentially like a maturity issue. This is potentially a whole other thing issue. This is a, like, this is a control issue. This is not. Like this is not an exercise issue, friend. This goes way deeper. And again, I'm talking to past Ashley, you know? <laughs> um, so if you felt like I was talking to you, it might be for you, but I was talking to past Ashley. So, but that's the, I just feel like that's so much the difference of the motivation and the intention behind why you are moving is always going to release a completely different response within your body. It's, it just is, and you can't stop it. So if, so even if you go deep into the sports, if you are in practice and you're practicing the same thing that you have to do in competition, your body's going to like, it releases completely different emotions. It's a completely different response on your body. It's like, you can't get away from, you can't fool your body. You can't say body, we're doing this for a movement, but really underneath your anxiety is at a level like 1000. You're not going to trick your body. And I think that's why there's such a variation to what people can do during recovery. Yeah. I mean, she is actually breaking up for you. No, no. Okay. Good. You. No, no. Um, okay, but I did hear it all. You know, it's the thing where it slows you down and it speeds you up. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
completely agree. So when do you guys think that, um, or like what questions does someone need to ask themselves about whether or not they can, and we have a quiz on this too, about the incorporation of exercise mm -hmm. during recovery. Um, thehasociety.com forward slash exercise, I think. But the question here more is like, uh, if exercise is a no-go, when is, when and who is sport appropriate for? Like, how do you know? And just like a, what a couple questions that someone could ask themselves. And I think that just if you listened to this episode in general, I would be like, were the statements that we said about how you feel about exercise, right? Like if I don't get, if I don't get it in, it's a problem, you know, little things like that. I think that sport would be more appropriate for you to try and see, but in general, it's a very individual thing and it's really hard to determine through a podcast. Mm -hmm. So I'm very curious about like if you, what you guys think about that. Yeah, I think if you know that you don't have a healthy relationship with exercise, like you are like, I don't need a quiz. I don't need a test or you're hyper resistant <laughs> to anything that's coming out of our mouths. <laughs> then I think that this is where I would ask do you think that your body is capable of movement outside of that one specific box that you've put it in? If so, would you be willing to go explore it? Like just exploring, maybe you're not ready to be like, okay, fine. I'll go in the sports section. I just need you to explore different movements outside of your one, like, <laughs> special movement that you believe that is the only thing that you could ever love, right? Like just go try something, go try to go canoeing, go canoeing, bring a snack, you know, <laughs> go rock climbing, you know, go do something, go to a trampoline park, you know, just go. Maybe it's a double Dutch. I don't know. Like <laughs> bowling, badminton pickleball, you know, just try something, just go and try something. And I think like it, that brings back play. It brings back, honestly, you have to drop your ego to start something new. And like, we suck at that as adults, because by the time, like you're like mid twenties, mid thirties, you found the movement that you feel like you are really great at. And you don't like being a beginner again. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's just great go try something new. Yeah. I feel like that if, if I were old me hearing you say that my reaction would almost be like, I'd be so resistant to it because if I'm not killing myself, it's not, it's not worth my time. I remember telling a yoga teacher one time, <laughs> I just didn't even realize how like offensive this probably was to her when I said this to her face, just because I was just in such a who knows mindset of like, she's like, oh, you should really come and try my class. And I was like, it just doesn't do anything. I don't know what I verbatim said, but it was probably something really rude of just being like, 
you know, like it's not a real workout, like um, something, something of that. And then she was like, well, go run your three miles and then you can come do my class after. How about that? <laughs> but I feel like that's the reaction to a lot of people. It's just like, well, if I don't die doing this workout, then it's just like not worth it. But I think the one question that's threaded through this whole conversation that you need to ask yourself is like, honestly, it's the intention. What's your intention behind it? What's your motivation behind it? What's your reasoning for wanting to even move in the first place? And if it has anything to do with wanting to change yourself to, you know, because you hate yourself to manipulate your body, like you're doing it really truly for all the wrong reasons. And like, try to find something. A lot of the suggestions that Ashley said that are going to um, bring joy for moving. So something for me personally that I'm like looking into um, right now is, is horseback riding and an old part of my personality popped into my head. And I was like, well, that horse is actually doing all of the activity, but I'm not doing anything. So it's not counts. It doesn't count as movement. It doesn't count as activity, et cetera, et cetera. But I had to check myself and I was just like, well, why are we wanting to do this in the first place? I want to do this because I want to bring like childhood play back into my life because I've loved horses growing up and I want to like do an activity outside of the work that I do and I want to bring joy into my life. So I'm like, okay, that's why I'm doing this. And it has nothing to do with like wanting to change my body. You know, one thing, first off, I love that on a million for so many reasons. One thing mm -hmm. I've asked clients to start is like, Hey, why don't you go take a bar class? And they're like, oh, it does nothing. And I'm like, really go take one and come back to me and tell me how your butt or your hips feel, you know, just because it's a completely different movement. It's still a class setting. It is a little bit on the gentler side. Um, and yet it's again, let yourself do something or like a Pilates class or just do something. Yeah, you know, those no. classes low key will like light your will booty be. on fire. Yes. Like <laughs> and for my runners, I asked them to get a pair of dumbbells and and lift in their living room. Yeah. Just do something different. Just do something different. Mm -hmm. And if you're repulsed by these suggestions, like you're literally doing exercise for the wrong reasons. So there's that. Yeah. I still feel like it blows the line a little bit of like, is this a sport or is this exercise? Like, okay, I'm going in a bar because it's an approved thing, but you know, maybe you still hate, like hate how low the intensity was. And so maybe, yeah, like the challenge there in slowing down, if you've always done hit classes and now you have to go do, you know, bar, but I feel like, I feel like I see a lot of people switch hit for Pilates because they know actually that Pilates can be really challenging and they're like, it's slower, but it's, but it's lighting my butt on fire. So they, you know, they're sneaking around it. I feel like that's a thing. Um, and it still just makes me go like, but is it fun? Like, is it getting your competitive spirit going? Is it actually lighting up an entirely different part of your brain and coming from a truly different place. And that's where I think like, that's where 
it's important to me to have the right questions, you know, because it's tough. But like, if you're saying, oh, I, I need to exercise because it's for my stress relief, but you can't go and switch this out for shooting some hoops at the local park with your partner, that is not true. It is not for your stress relief because you're not allowing yourself to try something different because you're attached to the specific thing that you you do, you know? Um, and so like, if you're saying, okay, I'll switch my running for jump rope, I don't feel like it's different enough. I don't feel like it's fun enough unless you're getting with your friends and actually doing double dutch, like, you know, Ashley was saying, that sounds pretty fun. Um, just strap the girls down and you can do that. But I just imagined, dude, I don't think I've done that since before I had boobs. You know what I'm saying? That's why no, like, I do think super individual. Yeah. But I think it's the first step to mm-hmm. working towards fun. Because I don't think I could have gone straight from like super high competitive CrossFit and be like, and then I just want you to go have fun somewhere. Right. I think I had to like learn that like I wasn't going to die if I didn't feel the burn from movement. And that Mm -hmm. like you actually get the same endorphins from Pilates that you do from CrossFit without, you know, and there's nothing wrong with CrossFit, you know. So I, yes, but I also think that fun for individuals in starting this is really hard. They're like, that's just like too abstract. Cause I can, because like, I can say that walking 30,000 steps per day is fun to me. Right. Like, I mean, like they're just so in the deep, I think it actually takes like digging out of the hole a little bit and maybe the small baby steps in order to get to this place of being like, and then fun, I'm here for fun. I I think you're right. I think it, I think a lot of it too has to do with like our nervous systems and just like, um, I don't know, our conditioning, like fun doesn't feel like safe in your body. Like joy doesn't feel safe. Like you like automatically like reject it because it's just like life just has to be hard. And I'm not disciplined. Joy can't possibly produce anything because being disciplined produces goals. And there's like this negative, um, I don't know. You just see joy and pleasure as something as negative and like, you shouldn't be having fun doing these things. I don't know. So I just feel like people are just like, well, it just doesn't feel safe in them. And they just like reject it just because it's not what they've been conditioned to believe. This is what it should look like. This is what it should feel like. And some people definitely started doing whatever they're doing and it was fun. Like, I know when I started weightlifting, it was just fun. I liked how it felt. Like when you did it right, there's a certain feeling. Um, and then it just starts to, it starts to just be, feel equally as important as how you look, you know, when you're doing it. And then it's just such a, you know, can, and if you are someone who has a, who currently has a sport that they do um, and they're trying to figure out this whole recovery thing and they're not willing to put it down the sport down at least not yet then maybe a really good next step is just for you to figure out okay 
if I just, if this was just fun, what would it look like? Because I bet you it wouldn't look like your specific meal and, you know, like the sort of the regime you have around nutrition and overtraining that you have right now, right? Like what would it actually look like if the way that you did your sport was only purely enjoyable and it, you would probably always feel a certain way. You'd probably always feel refreshed. You'd probably always feel fueled, you know, like how would you feel every, you know, if you could, if you could feel a certain way, every time you played, how would you feel? Okay. What do you need to do to go and feel that way? Cause it's not going to be continuing to restrict and control and like eat low fat, high protein only. Yeah. And I think with sport, it gets really kind of interesting too, because I don't think sport is just fun. Kind of going back to my original thing. Sometimes I get pissed. (laughs) (laughs) But I know for me, because I had been, but because sports was a mean to an end, like going to college, Mm -hmm. you know, playing softball in college, it so got directly tied to my worth. I mean, just mentally, So I think when it comes to like high level athletes doing a sport, that's not just fun. And so I think that that's where kind of like that distinction that I wanted to make before of like, if this is paying your bills or a means to an end, this conversation, like this particular conversation may not be exactly geared towards you because in that. Uh, it is paying the bills and it's not just fun and it's not just joy and it's not just bringing up great feelings. It's like, oh, I need to perform, to pay a bill, to do a thing, you know, to keep X, Y, and Z. So uh, yeah, I think, but sports outside of that hopefully is eliciting way more fun than stress Mm -hmm. on the body. Yeah. Everyone just if it's, yeah, <laughs> if it's not paying your bills, then it needs to be fun. One hundred percent. Yeah, but if it is paying your bills, like I you know, in I've never been in that position, you know, like you, but I like to think that if it is paying your bills, and and you want to get your period back, you know there may be an opportunity for you to try and find the fun in it because that's a cool position to be in is like I play sport for money you know essentially like this is a tough situation and yes there are training sessions and things I have to do that I don't want to do but there's also a lot of parts of it that are probably really enjoyable to you that like embrace or drill that more focus on that more than the whole like diet weight management piece you know I imagine that that's something that exists for some people well any any final things from either of you guys on that particular subject Mm. okay cool all right well we hope this made any sense it's the first time we've ever talked about this particular topic so cool 
Um, I put a link to the quiz that we had mentioned. Are you ready to exercise yet? In the show notes of this episode. So go and do that if you haven't before. And then, then you know, consider your next step. If you guys have any questions, we have some Q&A episodes coming up. So please do send them to us. And everyone have a really great week. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about TempDrop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping, but once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So temp drops accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature This includes tracking your cervical mucus, if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons, like HA recovery, making sure your cycle's not slipping back in the HA direction. TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop. And we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code so just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code afha society i think too if you just go to tempdrop.com and and use um, afha society at the checkout that will work too so happy temping and good luck This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? 
If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, Eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.